1: To inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest of my podcast this week is Serbi Rator, co-founder and CEO of Symbol
0: when we started the company it was super crowded like there were so many businesses trying to build automated meeting notes product i think we always had the right positioning in our mind but as a founder it's so hard to articulate that and to other people it was hard for us to just articulate our go-to-market motion or the product that we are building the right way although we had an idea that what is going to set us apart but i think it just came over time as we evolved in terms of okay we want to we want to build a platform that enables businesses to analyze conversation data without building an in-house data science team so yeah. making it absolutely easy and removing the dependency on data so there is no data labeling training annotations that goes in the cycle it's a plug and play experience And that really created a very compelling, like aha moment for businesses.
1: This is Serbi. She's an international tech leader who advocates for women in AI, with a personal mission to inspire more women to work in data science. She comes with an experience from technical and customer obsessed roles in both startups and experiences such as Nevis Networks and Andocs. She's a national speaker, an accessibility equity champion, and the ultimate adventure capitalist. Today, She's the CEO and co-founder of Symbol AI. With her team, she's on a mission to leverage AI technologies to democratize conversational tech, to make collaboration effortless. And in line with that, they created a new category of voice tech infrastructure, conversational intelligence as a service. And this inspired me, and hence I invited Serbi to my podcast. We explore what's broken in the way we communicate and collaborate digitally, We discuss what is required to capitalize on the potential of human intellect by making collaboration effortless. We also address the tough choices that Serbia has made in not going with the flow, by instead taking a radically different approach to solve the big problem in the market. Last but not least, we discuss what it takes to build a remarkable software business. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly why in order to streamline your business and get razor focused it is key to get crystal clear on your positioning secondly that the love for the problem is critical to success but there are also some other equally crucial skills to develop or look for in new hires thirdly the importance of the role of marketing and content creation early in the life cycle of your company to establish a foundation for inbound traffic and last but not least how to Prevent Investing Your Newly Gained Funding on the Wrong Initiatives. Well, hi, Serbi. Thank you for making the time available today and be a guest on my podcast.
0: Thank you, Tan. So nice to be here.
1: I'm always doing my research and I'm always on the hunt for cool stories and inspiring stories about the value that we can unlock when technology and people blend mm-hmm. in the right way. That's what I found in your company, Simple AI. But before we start discussing like the big idea behind your company, Little bit about you, because you live in you live in the West Coast in Washington State, coming from India. But if you describe yourself in about three words, what characterizes you as a person or as an entrepreneur?
0: I'm a business nomad. (laughs) I keep telling this to other people also, because I have a family back in India. My husband lives in Sydney, Australia. We're doing a business here in the Bay Area. So we're kind of distributed across continents and I can't complain, but my background itself, I'm an electronics engineer by degree yep. and then moved into software, worked for a startup in the network security space, then went to Amdocs, which is a telecommunication company, got to spend a lot of time working and looking at conversations at scale, CRM, contact centers, all of that, and then started the company in 2018. So here is who I am.
1: Yeah. Well, you're talking about your company, Simple AI, and I see that you have growing quite 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 fast. Also, some very good funding coming in from companies, indeed, in this space, Amazon, for example. So what's the big idea behind your company? What is kind of creating all the energy behind it?
0: Yeah, so with Symbol, we are really on a mission to enable businesses add uh, intelligence to communication workflows so that they can really elevate the experience that customers have today with their product amongst themselves at several channels and capitalize on the last mile of data that we have left now, which is the communication data that exists on channels. Now so more after the pandemic and in the new normal than ever before. That's kind of the idea. The vision is to be really able to make it seamless to create access to shared knowledge so that humans can do work that they are intellectually capable of doing and stop wasting time in doing mundane activities, repetitive tasks, all of that effort and really making humans smarter. (laughs) That's the idea.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I completely agree with you. There's so much knowledge captured in the conversations that we have that we never Mm -hmm. capture. There's insights there, there's actions there. Yeah, I mean, I like the way you call it the last mile, the last mile of data, (laughs) (laughs) because that's really what it is. Yeah, so that's the big idea. What is the opportunity if we get this right? If everyone starts to use the symbol AI APIs.
0: I mean, we really think sci-fi, that just automating activities by conversations when you're speaking, recommendation systems that enables you to remind you of things, give you the right information at the right time. It's really creating new category of jobs. It's really enabling humans to do a part of the job that they always wanted to do but could not do because they were stuck in making project reports and re- elevating the entire ecosystem to have more intellectual roles. Mm, that's, wow. that's the overall impact that I see.
1: So you, you said you're creating a new category of jobs. Interesting. Give an example of that?
0: No, it always happens, right? I mean, like when robotic process automation was introduced to the ecosystem, over a couple of years, people learned how to build systems with robotic process automation. Yeah. And now there are RPA engineers. True. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right. So we've always seen that machine learning introduced to the job, to the space. Now there are machine learning engineers. Conversation intelligence, I feel, is a really, really big part of the ecosystem. And I'm sure we will have engineers. And there are today, there are NLP engineers that are working primarily on NLP-specific domains. So this will enable creating yeah, okay. new kind of roles. So, yeah.
1: No, I thought also, if you, if you look at the other side, at the outcome of it, the people that work that can now elevate to new yeah. roles and goals that possibly don't even exist cool so what sparked the idea i'm always interested to hear like what was this moment where you said okay enough is enough let's do this
0: it doesn't happen like that i don't know it didn't happen like that with me at least it was a very conscious thought through decision that happened over a period of time and then yeah let's do this moment was really let's quit my job <laughs> that's the let's do this moment, I feel. But the idea itself, it originated from my co-founder who had repetitive strain injury for like over a year, could not use his hands, was very, very motivated to work on voice technologies and enabling humans from an accessibility standpoint. Then we looked at CRMs, conversations at scale, where I had spent all my life at. And we were already working on a virtual assistant platform and looked at how easy was it for developers and businesses to build chatbots if that infrastructure existed so that's how we i mean it kind of evolved and touched several you know dimensions before it really became the platform to enable businesses to have a scalable infrastructure to deploy intelligence in conversations so it wasn't the idea wasn't like a moment i think it was a lot of moments but the decision was a moment to quit the job. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. You know, it's like, then, then you commit and you go for it. Yeah. So was it that you start building the products in the moment you founded Symbol AI in, in 2018 or was there something already happening before that in order to come ramp up to launching the company?
0: No, actually I was, and that's why I decided to quit the job <laughs> because I was working in a very extensive, time-consuming role and I had like, zero time to contribute to anything that i was doing with it it yeah. was a really exciting role i was kind of leading a lot of things for a conversational ai platform within the company but starting your own company has a different kind of adrenaline rush that you cannot sure. explain and so agree. so that's why i got out and then first 3 months actually just did a lot of research built my own network and connections in the bay area understood what is the process of starting a company cuz like i had no freaking idea <laughs> i knew that i was doing bits and pieces of it in my previous role but building a company by yourself is a whole different ball game so i got some mentors attached to myself joined a small program with the 1m by 1m organization in the bay area That helped kind of like frame the stream of thoughts and actions in a way, in a very sequential way, like figure out the market size, understand competitive landscape, like all of that, figure out the go-to market. So it was very structured. Yeah. And then we started building only after we had enough customer validation and discovery done. We did not write any piece of code before that. We made sure of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's completely the way it should be done. So talking about that, I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect, and I always try to understand like, what is it in in the product that we create that created defensible differentiation? And you just highlighted, I mean, chatbot space and the NLP space, the the natural language processing is a heavily competed space. So how did you find your niche? And what did you do specifically in the product to set yourself apart?
0: Yeah, when we started the company, it was super crowded. Like there were so many businesses trying to build automated meeting notes, product. And even now you will see there are a lot of products in the market like that. And it took us time to, I think we always had the right positioning in our mind, but as a founder, it's so hard to articulate that and tell other people. And that's why so many you know, mentors and advisors and accelerators program focus on storytelling. As part of the job, because it was hard for us to just articulate our go to market motion or the product that we are building the right way. Although we had an idea that what is going to set us apart. But I think it just came over time as we evolved in terms of, okay, we want to, we want to build a platform that enables businesses to analyze conversation data without building an in-house data science team. So making it absolutely easy and removing the dependency on data. So there is no data labeling, training, annotations that goes in the cycle. It's a plug and play experience. And that really created a very compelling like aha moment for businesses. It's like, oh, you mean to say, I don't need to go through that painful cycles of data collection. And you can actually give me something that works in first instance. I mean, I might need to give my feedback to the system. Might need to calibrate it, but I don't have to create an MLOps pipeline in my business. And that's a big relief yeah. for so many businesses that don't have data scientists or don't know, don't want to spend True. more budget yeah. into experimenting with emerging technologies.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's what's on your website, democratize conversational tech. And the other thing that, that I, I wanted to kind of pinpoint on is make collaboration effortless. Or And the other one is, yeah, conversational intelligence as a service, which I, I, I think I get what you do. But making collaboration effortless, effortless with your solution, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, we've all worked in different roles, but sending information from one conversation to the other conversation, aligning people on the same topic, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's and no matter how much organizations have matured, hire consultants, advisors to help them, At the right processes within the company, the biggest part of the problem is always sharing the right information across conversations that is happening. And there's always a bias in what someone will interpret out of a conversation versus the other person. So the intention is that if we can bring forward an unbiased system or let's say an AI-biased system, (laughs) which is not biased to any of the humans, but really to a core engine, and is looking at conversation data with their own lens. That way, the information that is generated is not based on what someone thinks. And once that information is circulated and shared with all the people across organizations, across units, in real time, half of the job is done. Because then you can focus on doing things, not thinking about what to do, or not aligning people on what to do. And that's really what makes collaboration effortless.
1: True. Yeah, very good point. And yeah, it's always fascinating to me. Like it's been in your face for so long. You just maybe too close to it to see it because we just get used to get used to this, and we create meeting notes out of things. We miss things, and there's importation in there, and it just yeah. It
0: that is true. This. Yeah, and I mean you know these tasks are more problematic in key customer facing roles because. If you are a sales agent and you're spending your Friday in updating notes in the CRM system and eliminating the nine hours where you can make more phone calls and close deals, you're impacting business. True. But as a business, we don't even take that into account. We only take, okay... If this person joins us, they will only make phone calls four days a week.
1: <laughs> because, that's, because that's physically possible, yeah. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, you know, capitalizing the true potential of human intellect is by making collaboration effortless, I believe. Yeah.
1: So how does your solution, that's, that's another thing. One thing, is, of course, to take things away from people that they don't have to do anymore. But how does your solution augment people that like one plus one equals three?
0: Yeah, well, we always advocate that talking to a human will never go away. Like right. no matter how many chatbots and virtual assistants exist in the system, there will always be a hum- human interaction. So enabling information access to humans at the right time, at the right place, through their preferred digital channels in a very passive and a recommendation-based approach really enables, makes humans smarter because... They don't have to keep people on hold, search for information, because as humans, we only have limited memory, and <laughs> we should acknowledge that. Sure. So it's kind of like having access to a memory bank, which is always there with you, and proactively prompts you with information when you need it. That's, I feel, is going to make humans smarter.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's really the virtual assistant dream coming through. Yeah. Well, when people like Steve Jobs have always inspired me. And one of the things he always, of course, said was it's uh, innovation is not about what you do, but what you say no to. In that whole journey of creating your products, what did you deliberately say no to?
0: That is to. true. A lot of things. <laughs> when we started the company, there were other products in the market trying to solve the same problem by introducing exactly. chatbot. And we were something like, okay, dash, take an action item. And we were asked in the beginning by a lot of customers, a lot of people that we spoke to, to, why don't you just do that? I mean, just give us a chat bot that we can talk to and say, take an action item or take a note. And we were very, very hell bent on that. No, that's not the experience that we want to create. We want to build a passive recommendation system that should exist as part of any digital channel.
1: Let me make a small interruption here. Serbi just made an excellent remark about the critical decision that gives simple, defensible differentiation, i.e. not following the good advice of others to build something they already know and just trying to do it just a bit better. No, she knew that she was going to solve the problem in a different way, one that is universally applicable to work across all channels, and also not to be a product to end users, but actually a platform aimed to make the life of developers simple. This is a trait Remarkable Software Company's master. They have an eye for creating new value possibilities and with that create momentum in a whole new way you can master these traits as well and i got two options for you to start first read or listen to my book the remarkable effect you can find that on amazon.com but alternatively download the free kindle version from my website go to valueinspiration.com book and secondly get into action right away and surround yourself with a group of like-minded people Tech founders and CEOs that will help you deliver on your top priorities with more impact by removing your blind spots, challenging you to explore new paths, and sharpening your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com and see the videos where many of your peers share their experiences with our tribe and what they've come to value most. Back to the interview.
0: And should just subtly give you information. But yeah. you should not ask for because it is so weird when two people are talking and you're calling out a chatbot to give you some information. It's not the natural flow of human conversation. True. So that was one of the big things. The other big things was really building a product versus building an API platform. Early on as a company, I mean, it's usually easy if you build a product or an offering that has a direct end user feedback. Building an API platform creates a feedback loop one step away from you. And if you're building a new technology, one of a kind that has not been created before, feedback is a really critical element of the entire sure. build product equation. But we did not build a product because we found other ways to gather feedback, but because you could have only built one offering in the beginning, either we could have built an API platform or built a product. Doing both yeah. the things together changes your customer. And in the life of the company, you only want to have one customer. I mean, at least for the first five years.
1: Yeah, well, at the end, you are delivering your service to another software builder that creates the ultimate solution for you.
0: That is true. Yeah, so today we provide API platforms that developers can consume that are building applications. And that way, we march on our vision to have scaled the YC ecosystem faster than it would because there is a scalable infrastructure. So that was another thing that we decided to say no to. And the third one was really verticalization versus a horizontal approach okay a lot of people were i mean i don't say i think it's still a good advice for other people who are listening to this podcast that if you can find a small niche vertical that you can play in you should definitely attack that unless you have a conviction on doing something else that only a founder could have so we had a very strong conviction that we do not want to work to verticalize our product and we want to build an open domain human-to-human conversation understanding engine that can work on any vertical. And the journey was tough, for sure. But now we're, we are at a stage where we work with healthcare organizations versus e-learning platforms, meeting sales, contact center. And at the end of the tunnel, there we could see light right in the beginning. So that's why we stuck on just marching in the same tunnel and not changing it. But yeah. generally, it is advised to build vertical vertical applications, like go deep in one domain, build that. And it does hold true for a lot of other types of products, but we just had a very strong conviction not to do that. So,
1: so what, no. what was the conviction? Because I mean, I completely agree with, with the verticalization part, because that's where you can, you can really get, like you say, deep and gain momentum around that and replicate that and then do something that is just outside of that space. But horizontal is like almost brave to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, because API platforms are not built like that. API platforms are meant to be horizontal. You cannot control the kind of products that will use your API platforms. You can't say that I will build an API only for sales product. That's a really small market size. So that's why, the, because our go-to-market was really different, verticalization did not apply to us the way that it applies to other products.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's different different words to that, of course. One of the reasons that chatbots got a bad name is because of the fact that I can't understand you. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the generalization of things to the extent that it worked no- nowhere. And yeah, I'm really eager to, to understand how you solve that challenge.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the work that we do is language understanding at a very fundamental level. So we don't look at keywords or phrases or all of that. We have built a hybrid AI system that takes unsupervised learning approach as well as supervised learning. And together we find out the fundamental dimensions of context in any conversation. And it happens in real time as the conversation goes for every single conversation independently. So there is no bias to a previous vocabulary. I mean, we do take an input from external through an APIs if you want to bias the system's output to a specific type of keywords. So we give verticalization in the hands of a developer. But by the core, the system does not verticalize by default, but there is like a way for you to verticalize the conversation. Yeah. Yep. So it's just a different approach of solving the problem. And obviously we spent a lot of time in the virtual assistant space, the chatbot space before we started the company. So we were well aware of the limitations, the generalization, how to approach it. My co-founder yeah. is, has been working in applied NLP for years, so... That all matters when you True. build a company, if you have the expertise to do that. So yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. So what was the hardest nut to crack for you, for the team?
0: Sorry, hardest one? Not, not to as, crack.
1: Not as nuts to crack.
0: <laughs> I think it was getting access to the right network. That was the most difficult part. I think most founders struggle with that part. I was the fir- I was a first-time founder working out of India, moved to the Bay Area to build the company, Did not know many people here. How do I get access to investors? How do I get access to the right network? It was really, really hard. But then we got into Techstars accelerator program that was in Seattle, And that changed a lot of things for us. We got inside the right network. We got access to the right people. Our first funding round happened through the reach of Techstars. We met our lead investor during the Techstars program. It was amazing. They connected us to the right industry experts. So I think that's the hardest nut that we felt that we had to crack. After that, the road was, I wouldn't say easy, but it was, we didn't spend time on things that we shouldn't. We spent time thinking about the experience, the product, all of that aspect, rather than, you know, how should I get an intro to this person?
1: True. I understand (laughs) that. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, you need other people, and to have those those accelerators, that's fantastic because they had yeah, they just utilize for that or they, they're designed for that. So when you go to, when you when the product was finished and you started to sell it, what was yeah, what did you learn selling this? Of course, you sell it to to another development company, and they have to come up well, maybe with the idea. So yeah, it's interesting to understand like what is the pain point that you're solving there.
0: We started with meetings as one of the core areas that we wanted to solve the problem for and show some end-user value. So a lot of early customers that we got and partnered up with, and I still thank them for all the support that they gave us early on, was in the meeting space. So how to build the right pre- and post-meeting experience, real-time, asynchronously, save time, increase productivity, enable access all of that information, all of those use cases. So that's kind of what we aimed for in the first one year. So although we were building a general platform, we were laser focused on solving one specific use case in one exactly. specific industry. And then after one year, we added sales, optimizing the time that it takes you know, to close a deal or do more deals or increase growth opportunities there. And then contact center, shaving off the average call handling time from phone calls. So these were all end product value props. But our core value prop today and then was really reducing the time to market of a business that wants to introduce this capability drastically from seven to eight months to two days. That was our focus. But how can we actually do that? And that has been our core value prop and the value that we want to march towards even now. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, at the end, everybody has their core differentiation and you should really be focused on like what adds, what out of your investment adds to your defensible differentiation and what are the parts that others do better than you and just par- partner with that. that. I think that's a brilliant move. And we well, also for your model, it's so widely applicable because you can just Yeah, work with all those companies that have brilliant ideas and you make their product better.
0: And it's amazing. I mean, you know, we get to talk to so many different builders and innovators every day. It's a privilege, like seriously. And the kind of ideas that generate out of what our technology can do versus what they have been thinking about the vision in their minds. It's just mind blowing. So I love (laughs) what I do daily.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I mean, I already mentioned my book, "The Remarkable Effect," and the the thing that I'm always interested in, even after interviewing about 180 tech entrepreneurs on my podcast, <laughs> is you know your view about what it takes not well, to create a company that people talk about. So, what's your vision on that?
0: I mean, I think it's just effort and persistence. <laughs> there is nothing else. You need to really believe in the problem that you're solving. I think that is yeah. obviously one. But you also got to be realistic to not get shadowed away by your love for the problem, but really see whether it's possible or not. And then just keep at it until you get the data point that this is not the right company you build. Just keep at it. Like, do not say no, do not take no for an answer. And I think that's just what I tell myself for Yeah, Dave.
1: <laughs> that's, I think, a very good angle to it. And really, I was also like the fact that you talk about the love for the problem, not love for the product, because that's where it often goes badly wrong. <laughs> yeah. What is the problem you're solving? Is always it should always be front and center, but you got that right. It also shows like why you're getting the momentum you get. So talking about that journey, three years down the road right now, Is there anything you regret in that process? Maybe you say, okay, what?" or to ask ask a different question, what would you do different next time?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of founders, including myself, we underestimate the role of marketing and content creation early on in the life cycle of the company. And I would definitely go back and fix that whenever I'm building a next company. Either have someone with a very marketing-focused mindset on the founding team, Or really focus on at least building one piece of content every single week. It's a very actionable thing that I'm talking about. But really, I feel that whatever you are building, if you can create one piece of content every single week, you wouldn't have to spend dollars into marketing when it actually comes to fueling your go-to market. There's nothing better than getting inbound traffic rather than sending cold emails to people.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And as you scale the business in three years, you will start thinking about scaling go-to-market, scaling sales. And at that time, this content will be highly valuable. So start at it early on.
1: Yeah. yeah people, I mean, you asked me at the beginning, like, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this three years. It's one podcast a week, but now at the end, there's a library of 180 stories That's- that are phenomenal. I completely agree with you. It's that dripping and that consistency yeah. that makes it almost effortless and so much so valuable. Yeah. But you need to experience it first to, to understand it. So it's, <laughs> yeah. So what are you most proud of achieving so far? I mean, is there any customer anecdote of, of something that, that's, yeah, that just said, this is why we're doing this?
0: yeah i think it's the experiences that our customers are building i'm very very proud of what they are able to build in a short period of time obviously once we start talking about several case studies of all the customers which we should be very soon we would be able to show everyone what has been going on behind the scenes but yeah it's the different experiences that when we show to other customers they're basically like oh wow like how did the how did they do that in such a short period of time that's one I think the second part is really anecdotes from our own team. I love the journey of building a company because it's also about getting the right mix of people together and then just seeing the magic happen by itself and getting to experience that every single day and finding more people like what there are inside the company and getting them inside the company is an amazing feeling. So that's also something that I'm very proud of.
1: (laughs) So what are you looking for when you hire people? What needs to stand out in them?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it changes based on the stage of the company. Like early on, you're looking a lot for like generalists who are just able to come in and, you know, get their their hands dirty and kind of like do everything. As you scale the company, you start looking for specialists more. You start looking for people who are experienced. But overall, at a very core level, we really look for people who are very customer obsessed and product obsessed. Their love for the problem that we are solving is very, very crucial because... AI and machine learning is not something which is, you know, zero and one. <laughs> it is much more than that. It's a journey and being able to understand and articulate that to anyone that comes in contact with you is very important for the early founding less than 50 people team. Yeah, and true. so that's why that's something that I always look for that the why of joining the company, does it go beyond just looking for the next opportunity? Does it reach to the problem that we are trying to solve? And What is the relationship to that problem? And then obviously, you know, other characteristics of being open and vulnerable and, you know, treat others like a family. And yeah, these are some of the things. Yeah, We really feel that we're a close family of tech enthusiasts working across different regions, but we're very connected by some core principles.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know that you've hired Vikram, who's been on my podcast a couple of, two years ago, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I remember him as someone that actually fits that uh, like a glove. Yeah, that's good. And that culture is so important. Then keeping that culture also uh, intact as you grow, that's phenomenal in terms of your success. So getting towards the end of the call at the end, from all the things that you learned by now on your entrepreneurial story What are tidbits of wisdom that you would like to share? I mean, one, maybe one don't do and one don't for people that Um, uh, aspire as well to become a CEO or to take it to the next level.
0: Don't overspend your funding round that you just raised, (laughs) but do spend in the right locations. (laughs) And I think there is always a conflict whenever you raise a new round of funding that why should I invest these dollars? Like, should I do X or should I do Y? Talk to founders who are at a next stage so that they can share the problems that they faced and you know the places where they overspent that they could have avoided. And yeah. I just love getting in connection with founders and CEOs who are one step ahead in the journey from myself So that I can learn constantly from the actionable things that they did in the past where they would say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have got two people in my X function. I wish I would have started by just one person in that function and really monitored it myself. So just I think just finding your founder friend who's one step ahead from you will really help you make those decisions. But spending the money that you raise is a really important part of a CEO's journey. And it's all on you. You can't blame anyone else for it. You got to own it. So yeah, true. it's just better to have more data points. Yeah,
1: yeah. so recognizable. I mean, I run a triple of tech CEOs on the mission and it's a regular thing that comes back. Like you say, it's you're part of a larger team, but that role that you have, you're on your own. You have no, yeah. one, no no peers next to you. You've only got people above you and below you. There's answers that you're seeking for that your support cannot give you. So it comes down to that, exactly. I can completely recognize that. So what's next? I mean, talking about taking the company's the company simple AI to the next level in the next 12 to 18 months, where are your priorities?
0: Yeah, we're really excited about scaling our developer go-to-market. Just before COVID started, we actually launched our developer platform. Before that, it was only a request only uh-huh. access SOTS APIs. And now the platform is generally available and yeah. we are spending all our efforts in scaling our developer go-to-market. And that's really critical for us. Launching hackathons, engaging in community, and finding more developers who are trying to build experiences around conversations. Don't have to be data scientists. They can be just app developers, full-stack developers with our APIs, which are based on REST or SDKs in JavaScript. So that's a big focus for us. Um, Exactly,
1: I understand. Yeah, true.
0: um, That's it. Cool.
1: Well, I mean, what's lasting on my list is like, where can people go to find out more about your company, Symbol AI, or to say hi to you?
0: Yeah, well, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can find me there. And I'm also on Twitter, Syrvirator. You can, if you're interested in trying any of our APIs and get a feel of what conversation analysis could look like, you can go and sign up on platform.symbol.ai. And yeah, look forward to meeting anyone or talking to anyone who is thinking about building an innovative experience around communication workflows. I'm always excited to do that. Thank you so much.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: Likewise, Don.
1: And this ends my conversation with Serbi. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Serbi Rator, co-founder and CEO of Symbol. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the remarkable effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said,